Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. Guys, I am so stoked today. This is the first episode of what we're calling Full Exposure on Location. And that is where we take the podcast out onto the road. We actually travel to our guests. We create portraits and record the podcast in a location that is, and here's the key, the location is significant to our guest. And today's guest is Bill Schwab, one of the finest photographers in the land, a great landscape photographer, great night photographer, and somebody I've known for, I don't even know how long, probably 15, 20 years, maybe. I don't know. It's been 20. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time. But in Bill Schwab's case, I traveled. I had the opportunity to travel to his home and the epicenter of his photography workshops in one of the most beautiful places in the world, up north in Harbor Springs, Michigan. And actually, I really hope to do more of these episodes where we are, are occasionally can escape the walls of my studio from time to time and do podcasts uh, out in the world and in places that are important to people. Um, more about Bill. Bill Schwab's poetic photographs will likely be forever associated with Detroit, his hometown of Dearborn, and get this, Iceland. And um, in my opinion, he's one of the finest living photographers working today. Bill makes all of his own prints, utilizing a variety of analog and historic processes, as well as cutting-edge digital techniques to express his vision. Bill is ever curious. He's one of the first photographers to create a beautiful custom website when the internet first started. And when it started to become a thing way back in the 90s, Bill Schwab had a banging awesome website. And uh, his current website's great, too. But, man, he kind of flipped uh, photography websites. Uh, he sort of set the, set the mold. And uh, he had a lot of attention in the 90s uh, because his website was so great in the early days of the Internet. But more importantly, Bill and I have enjoyed a long and rich history. For nearly 20 years, Bill's been an influential friend that was instrumental in encouraging me in the earliest days of my shaky, naive and professional stops and starts as a photographer. And I'll be forever grateful for his generosity of his time to me, the phone calls and emails that he would uh, trade, and we'd trade back and forth. But in this conversation, Bill and I talk at length about the current state of affairs in Detroit, the dangers of the fine art world, galleries and such, bad dealers, you know, uh, Bill's seen a lot. We also talk about how Bill has pivoted with technology over the years. And in some cases, uh, reverted back to the oldest technologies, just depending on what his interests are. We also dive into his deep love of Iceland and uh, reminisce about our first trip together there. And that spurred him to, uh, that first trip to Iceland eventually spurred him to regularly lead spectacular photography tours on the island. Now, this is pretty photo intensive about the business, but man, there's so much in here. Bill, you can tell, is just a great guy. And I really need to ask you guys to check out Bill's photographs that I put up on our episode page at fullexposurepodcast.com. Just go to fullexposurepodcast.com, click on Bill's page. Uh, he was generous enough to share with us a wide variety of his work. You'll see some of his images of Iceland, of Detroit at night, and also a, a digital color series that he's been working on that's just incredible. It's called Detroit, Where We Used to Live. 
And uh, you'll want to be able to see these photos uh, at certain points in our conversation. It'll certainly help bring some context to uh, the conversation. So, uh, as always, this episode is presented by Brian Kelly Photography and Film and Brian Kelly Productions. If you are embarking on any type of photography or video project, big or small, man, I'm happy to work with anyone on any size project as long as I can make it work. And uh, I'd be happy to explore what I can do for you. So yeah, let's get into this episode with Bill Schwab, the very first episode of Full Exposure on Location. And we're going to be doing more of these. And uh, But Bill was the home run So I really know you'll enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are we rolling? Can I open up my uh, box of water? Is better box here? It's good water. Yes. They uh, they drop ship me a shipment twice a month. Nice. It's good stuff. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, It's got no taste. That's great. Hey man. So uh, Bill Schwab is amazing. (laughs) You're the man. Yeah. I'm so glad you came. (laughs) <laughs> Explain for everybody, where are we, Bill? Where uh, are we? We are um, it's planet Mars. No, <laughs> we are in Michigan. We are in the northern tip of Michigan, Emmett County, just about as far north as you can go before you have to cross into the uh, UP. Yeah. About 50 miles away from the Mackinac Bridge. Um, yeah. And how long have you been living on this property? Well, mm-hmm. I've had the property since 1993, but I've been living here full time for a little over two years now. It, yeah. it seemed to me like it gradually it was a little more time every year, you know. Yeah, it and was. And, you know, my ultimate goal was to come here, um, you know, and I was living in Detroit, dying city at the time, right? And right. So I was on this trajectory to come here. <clears throat> and then just as I was kind of ready to go is when Detroit starts to get its second wind. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I've been living there a long time, and it's more like it's fourth or fifth wind, and we hope it keeps going. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean... Um, so I love you, Detroit, but it's like, yeah, it's uh, it's almost seems now so uh, it's growing so fast in a way that just is eliminating so many people. Like you is, guys not, have to have money now, yeah. to do anything, and yeah. it never used to be that way. Yeah, and they're not, you know, I mean, who am I? But there, it just doesn't seem to be. It's um, they're so we've been down so long that the attention's being paid that I think everybody's just going for everything they can all at once, rather than just, um, you know, rather than thinking it through you know i don't know yeah. i i hope happy and i and it's wonderful that the people that are there it's nice to have the young blood doing it and you know i mean i don't recognize the place when i go back now and it's oh. really good a friend of mine came last december and i was uh touring them around the town and i was getting lost because when yeah. i got down to the downtown area nothing looked the same anymore yeah and it's new and then i well, yeah. i have for the two years i had that studio in corktown yeah i went back and it's been about two years since i had that so yeah I went back after really uh, like a year or something. I went and stayed in a hotel in Corktown because I was doing a shoot. And I literally, there was new buildings everywhere. Yeah. The, uh, buildings that were, roof had collapsed. It was now like right. a sh- bougie apartment place. Right. You know, right. it was it's changing so exactly. fast. Exactly. And then Ford Motor Company decided to put the money into the train station. And that's really that explode that little area as well. Yeah, that whole area. Is, uh, so, I mean, Detroit, what I found out from doing that project I was doing, um, that where we used to live project, you know, going yeah. out to all the neighborhoods. Um, you know, it's just, it's difficult. It's nice to see the city really growing and doing things, but the problem I have with it is that so much attention is paid on just that. And the fact that it's 138 square miles of city and four or five, six square miles are being worked on. And, yeah. you know, you got to know there is a lot of... Well, I often a, say a lot, lot of emptiness. A lot there. of people who haven't been to Detroit, it's like it, it, many, many parts of Detroit still look like 
some type of genocide happened and everybody left. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. or a war Apocalypse, happened and what's left. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah. disarming. Yeah, and yeah you neighborhoods can't completely empty. And, yeah, you know something. At one point, I think there were thirty-five or forty thousand buildings that needed to be torn down, and <laughs> you know they're at it, but it takes a long time to do that. Yeah. And expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh my well, gosh. tell us me more about. So let's get. Let, let's just reset. We've known yeah. each other since or mid '90s, maybe. I late think so. I can't really remember. Six yeah. somewhere in there. I, uh, it had to be right near the beginning of all of this. Yeah. as it is now. You know, because there weren't <laughs> the podcasts. beginning of time. Yeah, there weren't podcasts. There weren't. Um, <laughs> you know, there wasn't all this. You know, it wasn't. You know. Yeah. Well, I I had reached out to you just for for people who are listening. I I was so enthralled with your images of not just Detroit, but you were doing a lot of nocturnal imagery, and I had sort of stumbled on right n- nocturnal work. Yeah, and work you saw is me, just like it. you found me with night photography. Yeah. You might have found me. I mean, would that have been early enough with the nocturne site? You know, with Tim Baskerville. Out no, there? I think I don't even know how I found you, other than I was probably searching. And in those days, you had one of the earliest websites I ever I saw. A photographer. It was a beautiful website, even by today's standards. But it was like the the first website that I had seen that was like, wow, this photographer is doing amazing things. Thank you. And then it was the, all the the night photography. I was experimenting around Grand Rapids and shooting night right. stuff. And I was, and then you were at a, you, you were wrapped at this gallery that was this iconic gallery, oh, right, Halstead Gallery. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, this guy's rich. Yeah, he has to be. <laughs> He's wrapped at a gallery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's one thing in my life I probably will never be. You know, I'm rich in experience. I'll say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's how I found you, and I was just I reached out to you because I wanted some advice, and you wrote back. That was, was in the days, you know, where uh, there wasn't text and. Yeah, no. you know, it was we sound like a bunch of old dudes, but it wasn't that <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. You know, it wasn't. And uh, well, and I sent an email to you, and lo and behold, I got one back, and you wrote uh, actually quite long, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then we just maintained this um, yeah we, relationship we, over the years, and then it just got stronger and stronger as we went. Yeah. And I had various galleries in Grand Rapids, or well, actually two galleries, but one, the last one that I had, you were a, a part of, and I yeah and yeah that was wonderful. There. That was a really good thing, and I I remember. Driving through Iceland, talking about that and being really supportive, yeah. and, you know. That's how I always remember when people say, "When did the photography room open?" And uh, I always think about uh, we went to Iceland in two thousand one. Yeah. And then we were talking about it during yeah. that whole trip. I was right. like, "I think I, I think I'm going to go for it. I think I'm going to do yeah. it." And then um, yeah, you don't take very long to do things. <laughs> and I'm, I think it, I opened it in the fall of two thousand two, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember also uh, uh, 9-11 happened. And yeah. I remember I had like signed a loan or something like that. And I was watching the towers Fall, yeah. and, uh, live. Yeah, thinking. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure this is a good time to open an art gallery. <laughs> yeah. Well, Turns out there's never a good time to open an art gallery. That would be true, <laughs> unless you've got a large fortune to make into a small fortune, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and uh, I think what I loved about you all those years was you—I always felt like we could figure stuff out together, just like from the business side. And right. You had been in the business a lot longer than me. Tell me about where you started, though. You were—you started in in doing editorial work and yeah, and a lot of music photography. Yeah, where, you know, where did I mean, it start, start? You know, I don't know how far back you want to go, but it was just one of these things that I got to. You know, my family was—you um, know—I had a great grandfather that had a photo studio in Detroit, Lutke, and he had. Uh, you know, and it was always, you know, all my dad's brothers and he were all kind of rank amateurs and there were always cameras around. So 
I don't know, in high school, I just got into the paper and the school paper and then just took it on from there. So after college, you know, I went to college on a fine arts thing. I got my BFA in, uh, from Central Michigan University, and I thought, you know, this is it. I got the world. And, yeah. You know, so I went out, and it, and it really wasn't a whole lot of room for me. You know, I was key lining at the Metro Times, and, you know, I mean, it was a cool time in Detroit at that time, too. But um, I don't know. Uh, and then I, I, I had this experience with Alan McQueenie in New York. You yeah. Know, and that, that really taught me a lot of the editorial side. And Alan McQueenie is, you know, a seminal portraitist. Yes, uh, yeah. But he was doing guy, commercial work yeah. and major magazine work when there was tons oh, yeah. of money in, in well, both you of know, those fields. One of the things I wanted to say, you know, one of my big, you know, uh, I left New York. I went there to work for him, and I just kind of got overwhelmed by the place, and I ended up coming back to Michigan, and rather than being a little fish in a big pond, I became a big fish in a little pond, like yeah. you were talking about being in GR. But, yeah. but what happened was is I, uh, I don't know, I, um, you know I, I, I learned all this from Alan from the editorial side, and so I just always thought that, that was, I was going to be a fine artist, but I was going to be able to make my money doing editorial. And you, yeah. you found out that really, as you well know, it consumes your life. And, yeah. But that's what I did. I, came, I, I went out on annual report tours with Alan, and then I learned a lot about lighting and doing what we've been doing here. And, yeah. And, um, you know, I just turned it into a business in Detroit all those years. So I was an editorial photographer, and I, I ended up covering a lot for Crane Communications. Yeah. And uh, Detroit Monthly. And then I started doing more regional things for Time, Fortune, Newsweek, all those things. It right. just grew out. So you become the guy. You kind of come in the stringer in that area. That's right. like anything's happening. Right. Gotta, you're already in the system and right. ready to just give you assignments. Yeah. And then you, you know, as you well know, you get to know art directors and they move on to another magazine and then right. you're working for another thing. And I did a lot of corp, um, collateral editorial, uh, I'd say corporate collateral work for like... Um, Chrysler, I was a big client of mine, yeah. and those kind of things. And so you were in their little collateral magazines that only went out amongst all the... Uh, sure. But they paid money, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was the they thing. They paid good money. In yeah, real good money. Yeah. You know, you'd shoot a shot for Rolling Stone for 250 bucks, and then these guys would pay a $2,000 day rate to <laughs> yeah. shoot, you know, yeah. the, some guy in a line. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, and I quickly found out where the real money was. And But yeah, at the same time, I was also really enamored with rock and roll. Rock and roll was my... I still... I'm a crazy music freak. And yeah. It was my conduit into that, you know, and I I, I photographed a lot of people. Yeah, know, tell I, me some of the tell me some of the artists. I know that I always associate you with Patty Smith. Yeah, well, Patty was a, a a big one for me. You know, I mean, she just as a local kid, I was a big she was a big hero of mine. Yeah, and uh, and then I had another friend, um, Freddie Brooks. You know, hi Freddie. Um, Freddie Brooks, who used to manage not manage, he did a lot of right hand man stuff for Fred Smith, who ended up becoming Patty's husband. And so there was that connection, and it just sort of worked out that just as Patty was coming back out of her shell after Fred died, you know, they needed some work. And through Freddie, who I was already doing some work for the bands that he was producing and things, um, it just grew, you know, it yeah. just grew into that. And so I started doing a, a few things for her. Yeah. It's an interesting relationship. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, we're not friends by any sense of the matter, but she's, she's really intense. You know, she's extremely intense to work with yeah. and around, and you really got to put on your thick skin I think you know yeah. I mean she's a wonderful person but at the same time she's a real professional and really right right yeah yeah I think uh Chrissy Hine is another one who comes to mind not not for just that tough uh well, woman who's gonna be in charge of well uh, her exactly. whole look and uh, and how she's projected out into right the world. and and I mean you know and a woman working in a you know, a ridiculously stupid man's world at that time. So yeah. there was actually, you know, I mean, you had to be, you had to be. Well, you had to be know, three times, three times big the, and noisy and exactly. loud and to get anything. Otherwise, and she you just did get it. run over. Yeah. And yeah. And so, so there was Patty. And then I, I worked for Retina for, for a while. I was a Retina um, 
uh, a retina affiliate with uh, the retina photography. And so I photographed a lot of bands. I would get assignments to shoot basically everybody that came through town. And it was good for me because I was off Broadway kind of a thing. So like in a, in a market like New York or LA, a lot of people are clamoring to get at these people. But in Detroit, yeah. they're on a little more relaxed. And so I would get some really nice assignments here. You know, I shot Beastie Boys. I shot Pearl Jam. I shot just a lot of people. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's fun. A lot of them are looking at this little cabin over here. A lot of them are <laughs> stashed in slides in there now. You know, all the, yeah. the old days. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. A lot of stuff. It was fun. To, there were fun times. Yeah. Not real lucrative, but, you know. Good to well, do. a lot of the best gigs aren't. And yeah. And that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but during that time, were you still working on a fine art side? Were you shooting and documenting? Oh, yeah. Or when did, when did that really get going? Where well, so you had your business, your editorial track, right. your corporate right. track. And, and I did that, well with that. It, yeah. was, it was very nice. I mean, for a while there, it was pretty lucrative and I could do other things. And, yeah. and I was always following that. You know, I always thought that it was my means to the end, and the end was my personal vision. Right. And so at the same time, I was working on a lot of that. You know, and, uh, but the problem being is that I... Living in Detroit and working for all these magazines and working, you know, I was working, you're working, you know how it is, you're yeah. always on. And so when do you when do you work on your own personal work? It's hard to do both. Yeah. So I'd lay in bed and I'd be, you know, I was real close to the Rouge plant. And at night in Detroit, you know, it's quiet, you can hear things, but I could hear the Rouge off there. Every once in a while there'd be a slag pour and there'd be an explosion, boom, yeah. you know. And so it was close and it was omnipresent in my life. And uh I just decided, you know, I can photograph at night. That's when I can photograph. You yeah. know, I mean, I can't work during the day. I'll work at right. night. And that's when I started getting the, uh, the whole night thing. Wow, it sounds like a truck's, you know. It's we're, a Harley. Harley went by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, um, that's what I did. That's when I had the time to work. So I used to work all day and then I'd And go you're to bed. shooting Hasselblad for that stuff? Hasselblad, back on a, all that time. Yeah. yeah. Everything was square Hasselblad, 400 Tri-X. Yeah. And uh, I started realizing that shooting at night, that there was an infinite range of tones between black and white. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I just started to learn how to shoot at night. Like yeah. it was daylight. And it was fascinating, just like you were saying in your talk last night, is so many people see... They're not seeing things like that, you know? Right. And so it's a new way for them to see, and they're very enamored by it. And it Well, um, early on, you know, nobody... Uh, I, I started, I wanted to be a, 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 basically the Ansel Adams of Grand Rapids is what I really set out to do. But <laughs> I wasn't going to shoot landscapes. I wasn't yeah. interested in yeah. shooting landscapes, yeah. but I was interested in architecture. Right. And then I was just started shooting the city at night, and it got more and more fascinating to yeah. me. And in those days... It was pre-internet and websites and Instagram and all that stuff. And and when you would show and present night photograph night photos of the city, yeah, especially with our river and the lighted bridges, yeah, it blew people's minds. It like did. they were like, "This is it crazy." Really and then it really uh, did. then they that was really the only work that I sold consistently was to for lobbies and uh, yeah. conference rooms yeah. and uh, hotel or something like that. And but. But I was just, did you have the same fascination with the idea of, I always call it just letting time build up on a single yeah. piece of film. Painting with light is what I used to yeah. call it. It's just like you let it lay down on there. And when your lens is open and things happen, magic happens. And you can start to predict that magic after yeah. a while once you've done it long. But yeah, that's the way it is, is that you're, you're building up things and you're, you're able to see things and able to put things on film that people can't see with their naked eye. Yeah. Although they're there and you're... It's hard for me to explain it, but it's like it's like innately there. You all, 
there's just something about it when you see it. Yeah. It really resonates with yeah. you. And it still to this day does. You know, I mean, I look at some of my earlier work around Detroit and it raises the hair on my arms because it's just, yeah. it's not because they're great photographs. It's just, I remember the time of yeah. doing it, you know. They're great photographs. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. It's really nice for you well, to say are. that. No, but, But yeah. that's what it morphed into is that I just started yeah. doing that. And then I just had the nighttime to work, and then I just expanded out through the city. Yeah. And at that time, this was probably early 90s, you know, when I was doing that. And um, early 90s up into the mid-90s, I was really working. I was constantly yeah. out. And uh, it just it just became my thing. You know, you just learn. It became my, yeah. you know. And, and it was the experience of doing it, you know. I mean, here we are in the middle of the woods, right? Yeah. And this is kind of what I aspired to. But in the city at night, especially the places I was photographing, you were the only person around. So it was just like being out here. I loved right it now. too. I, I still, when I do night photography, usually now it's an architectural client that wants me to shoot a house or the building and all lit up with the interior. Yeah. But I just love that process. There's no assistance. There's no hair and makeup. There's not a subject telling you, oh, I, I don't yeah. feel good today or what, what should I wear? And I don't, I love my day job and I love shooting corporate work and I love the environment of busy noisy sets yeah. And oh yeah all that stuff but there's the solitude of just that you and a tripod Man. and an object that you're right gonna shoot and think and about the, and the thing about it is it's like you like for me it's the experience also of being out there yeah you know um i just like it you feel like a kid you're exploring yeah. and the camera puts this weird veil between you that gives you this sort of feeling of protection yeah you know like you feel like you're yeah, I mean, you are safe. You're out there in the middle of nowhere. It takes a long time for anybody to come to you, you know. And if, and if you're not, you know, if you're vigilant, you're and, okay. And all those years of being downtown, that when I started in the mid-'90s, too, is when I first started. I think 95, 96 was when I really started to walk around with a tripod in yeah. Grand Rapids and yeah. shoot black and white film. But I, there was only one situation. There's a lot of, like, addicts and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, just uh, quasi-homeless people down there around and it hasn't it's changed a lot now it's cleaned up but i never felt unsafe there was only one time i ever felt unsafe yeah, yeah. and uh, it was yeah. just because the guy was so belligerently drunk yeah and uh he was just being an ass i never no human ever made me feel unsafe um you know i i had some experience with dogs down yeah. by the ambassador bridge <laughs> yeah and that 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 put a little bit of fear into me you yeah. know when you realize there's a lot of them and they're and these aren't pets no <laughs> and they're focusing on you and starting to circle you and yeah yeah i never felt that way with with people i mean i've had people throw bottles at me driving by in the car but sure. that's just a, a reaction they're not yeah. going to come around and do anything yeah, yeah. to you and then uh you know but i was been working on this project the last couple of years when before i left town i was working on that you know where we used to live thing yeah so explain that in a little more detail i well, it's, they're all nocturnal images of homes right and right. some of them are occupied right some are occupied and I mean, some are unoccupied but the point is that explain the title because it really says what well, the whole work is. is it started about. to just be called Detroit, where we used to live, is what I called it. Because what happened was I started to do this project and I was posting these on Facebook every night. I'd come home, I'd pick out a couple good ones, I'd put them on Facebook, and it started to spread like wildfire. And people were always writing me saying, "Oh, we used to live over in the West Side," or "My family lived here or there." And it was nobody writing to me saying, "Hey, I live in Detroit." That's really yeah, whatever. Really it was always people that were gone, <laughs> you know. So. That's how it got that that yeah. title, but it grew out of Brian. The I didn't really get to it with my earlier work around Detroit, but what I was it was happening right around the time when Detroit was seriously dying. Yeah, I mean it was really going, and it was a lot of ruin, and a lot of people were starting to focus on that ruin. You know those yeah. French guys. I can't remember their names. Excuse me, but yeah, they the, did the big Time magazine. They did the big yeah, yeah. and they and they focused on that, and it really. 
you know, I knew so much of Detroit was really beautiful, and that's what I was focusing on in my night work. I was, I was putting blinders on. I wasn't noticing right. everything that was falling apart around me. And, I, and, right. and, and what it did is it really, I took it kind of personally, and I think a lot of people did, is yeah. that, that that's how Detroit was being represented. And, um, well, and I, I started a project, too, where I was just shooting people exactly. in Detroit. Exactly. You were I, one of the ones, yeah. Well, it was the anti-ruined poor narrative. I was like, that was if, mine. if all of only, if, if photographers only pump out a decay narrative, an abandonment narrative, um, the world, that's the only thing the world is going to think of Detroit. Exactly. And, and really, that's what the world thought of it. You know, yeah. I would travel around and I'd talk to people and they'd say, are oh, you from Detroit? And they'd see yeah. an Andrew Moore photograph and they'd say, yeah. oh, that's the place where trees grow out of homes. It's sure. like, well, there's a couple of them. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot more to it than yeah. that. And I'm not saying that uh, Detroit isn't deserving of, of the, you know, it imploded. It definitely did. It definitely freaking imploded. Did. It was and a it, scary place. It, it free fell uh, yeah. as hard as the city can yeah. fall. And I don't mean scary as a place that where you can get hurt, but it was just scary to see a big American city fall that hard and have, I mean, I lived there all my life. So, yeah. you know, my whole life has been living in a dying city, you know, yeah. it's, and that's what that project, Yeah. one of them was fighting against that feeling. Yeah. The other one that I started 20 years later, the one in the Detroit where we used to live, came out of a shot I did at the Bablo boat at night. Yeah. And it struck me that everybody of a certain age living in this area from here to Toledo to Toronto yeah. had been on that boat. Yeah. And I was on that boat as a kid. Yeah. And that's when that, and here's this abandoned ghost ship out there, you know, yeah. and, and that's when it hit me that that's the way to photograph Detroit. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have my blinders on anymore, but I could photograph it with reverence. Yeah. You know. For sure, and I'm I I, uh, I think what you're doing is you're there's a huge difference between a concerned uh, calculated project like you're doing with a narrative and just the drive-by shootings of people exactly. roll it down and they see an imploded house exactly. that had burned and then they just put it up on Instagram. They just right. roll down the windows. And I'd see people in Detroit all the time. That's all they do. They wouldn't even get out of the car yeah, to yeah. take a photograph. They snap they, and shot. Just snap and go and yeah. post it. And, Road uh, safari. Safari shooting. Yeah, it's like gawking at a, an accident. It was. And it know, was a lot of rubbernecking. Was, to me, it was disrespectful. I mean, I love the work they, those people did. And, and it did serve a purpose. In retrospect, I look back and it served a good purpose. But... At the time, it just didn't seem right. So that's what that project did. I mean, I had a lot of friends come to me saying, you know, we're seeing all this stuff from Detroit. You used to shoot Detroit. Why aren't you shooting Detroit anymore? Right. And it was because I just, I'd lost kind of hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then this happened, and I started to get really interested in it again. And then um, I saw well, that, that was a digital. You shot those. It was a digital. Yeah. And, you, I, and that was you a know. time I was shifting over to digital yeah. as well. Yeah. And that was a big shift, and color, Huge. because no one, no <laughs> one ever thought you would yeah. do color work necessarily, yeah. and they're amazing. They're yeah. beautiful. Huge, and I've been having fun with that stuff. It's still having a hard time getting, you know, the people that have always followed me to collect it. You know, I mean, to to look at it yeah. more. But that project, the, the thing about it was, I just couldn't ignore it anymore. So I had to go out there and photograph it. But I wanted to photograph it with a reverence, and and then. I spent a lot of time driving around at night. The reason I wanted to do it at night is I want it to be ghosts that I was photographing. I didn't want it, the current residents to be. And I, there's so much in Detroit that's come down on socioeconomic yeah. battles and yeah. racial, racial battles, battles yeah. and all kinds of things. And I didn't want to like imply, imply that this was because of any one race of people because yeah. everybody had lived there at one time or yeah. any one group of people. You know, I mean, there had been Jewish people in this neighborhood. Yeah. There had been, you know, Mexican people in this. There had been all kinds of people. So sure. I didn't want to... What I wanted was the ghosts of the past in those images. Yeah. 
And then what I would do is, you know, if you know Detroit and you're driving around in these abandoned neighborhoods, you'll find that there's one person that has left. They've, they've stayed, you know, yeah. and there's a light on in the house. And, or they're keeping an impeccable lawn when everything around them has just died. It's yeah. amazing, you know. And that's what I started to see. I started to see hope in that. And I started yeah. to see a reverence in that. And so I started to photograph them that way. And I started to photograph these buildings as people, as if yeah. they were portraits of them, as if they had a life. And well, maybe they had souls. The life, I, they I had a soul. truly believe that they do have right. this. Uh, they have this patina of time and the people who occupied those buildings. So that residue yeah. is there. For well, and I just think of all the things that went on in the houses there. You know, the yeah. people that were born, the people that died. You know, the yeah. the glorious family. You know, triumphs and then the tragedies and all the things that had happened in there, and it, and that became the story. You know, and. So what I was trying to portray at the same time as like giving it hope is what it was like to actually live your whole life in a city that was not getting better. You know? Right. And um, it ended up being what it was, and yeah. I loved it. And uh, it showed. Well, it, I had a big show of it in Toronto, which yeah. people came out. Of, it was great. It was the best show I ever had. You yeah. Know? I was at a restaurant across the street. Nobody was in the gallery, and we thought, oh, this is terrible. You know. And I sat there with a friend of mine, Dinesh, in the restaurant, having a few beers, and. We come out to go over to this across the street, and the people are lined out under the street. And it was no just, a, yeah, it blew me away. That's and, amazing. But people treated it like a museum show. You know, it yeah. wasn't a kind of a thing where now people go to a gallery and they buy work. Sure. They saw this, and all of them had experience with Detroit, and all of them had been on the Boblo boat. So yeah. it really, it was the first project I'd ever done that really seemed to hit people yeah. at a gut level. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's a shared thing. I mean, a lot of landscapes we look at are popular and all that, but they don't, you know, unless you've been there, you know, you can connect to nature and the beauty. But I think just to underscore what you were saying, it's just that, yeah, that have, people have an archive. They have a cache of memories that yeah. are, these images re And that brought them out. They just rejolt. So. Oh, and the stories that I got through the internet were great. You know, yeah. if you go, they're all still in there and you can see the comments that came from people and, yeah. You know, it was really, it, it really touched a nerve, you know. It, yeah. it became, like, bigger than anything I could have ever thought it would be. You yeah, know? yeah. But, well. you know, I'd st- I love doing it. And Bill McGraw, who you met, he was the guy that wrote Shotgun for me, and he was a writer for the Free Press, and he, he knew the city really well, and he brought it, toge- brought it to life at night. So while we were driving the streets at night, you know, between midnight and 4 a.m., he was narrating, you know, places where significant events had happened, and... and that started to inform the photographs I was making as well, and it, it was very cool. Yeah. But we'd keep, we'd, it became like two kids playing in the woods. We, we would still be doing it for no reason at all other <laughs> than, you know, the camera gave us a reason to drive around town at night and have fun. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it was still probably lots of trouble still with Bill. <laughs> like. I just met him, but he's, yeah. a, he, he's a character for we had sure. A, we had a real good time. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing I really looked up to you over the years was just your experience in galleries and the fine art world and yeah. dealing with reps. And, and I really, you've navigated that in such a cool way. You've shifted your business model at a time when other artists were afraid to, to do that. So right. my, my point is for the audience is that, you know, galleries were so important to photographers to show and sell their work. And these bricks and mortar places, when the internet got going, you were quick on board with that. Oh, yeah. You definitely. were... I mean, I saw the potential in it right away, even yeah. when other people couldn't. It was hard to get them to, ex- to understand the potential in it. And everybody obviously picked up real quick. Yeah. But uh, in the early days when I had it and people would... I would some of my clients, uh, magazines, I'd say, well, look, you can look at my work this way, I can transmit the work to you this way. And they just, you know, one, one of them literally said, why are you even wasting your time with that? You right. Know? 
And then, you know, a year later, everybody's got WWW on their cars. (laughs) So anyway, long story short, it got me into a lot of people's homes because I was one of the first hundred people out there with a photography website. So, you know, you look up on Yahoo in 1995 and Bill Schwab would come up at the top of the thing, you know. Now I'm like one of 80 million thousand of, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, but, uh, but the idea of innovating and you sought different ways to, I think, you know, for survival, I've had areas, times I've had to shift my model just to keep food on the table and exactly. not, not yeah. going under. And that's what used to make me upset when one of the galleries would be upset with me selling my own work. It's like, yeah. you know, look, when was the last time you gave me a check? Right. Or you'd find out that they owed you for six months of photo sales and they hadn't paid you and you're, you know, eating, right. you know, macaroni and cheese. Yeah. So that's what happens a lot in that world, unfortunately. Yeah. It's not a, there aren't many, well, it's a broad stroke. I don't, I didn't find many, I, I, photographers have the same experiences. They have trouble getting paid. Dealers are sometimes unscrupulous. It's, it's just not a world that's going to be like a good, very few people are successful only showing work in their, in galleries. Right. Well, it's like trying to, you know, it's like being a rock and roll star or anything, you know I mean? It's really. You can do it. You can have a passion for it, and you can make a living, a meager living at it. But the people that are actually making a good living at it, are, you can almost count on one hand. Yeah, exactly. But there is a lot of faking it till you make it that goes on, just like a lot of it in our world right yeah. now. And so, you know, just like you thought, I was rich. You know. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So well, you thought, yeah, on paper, you're like, well, if he, I used to do the dumbest math, not just you, but just in general. Like I saw, there was a great photographer in Grand Rapids, landscape guy, David Lovers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I know and, David. And, and he's amazing but he had this he went to mexico and shot this whole portfolio in mexico and had this cloth box and like it was additioned out and uh it had this brochure <laughs> and just me i was like i totaled up like one okay one through ten or this price 11 yeah. through 20 yeah. or this price assuming and then that he I, sold it off yeah and i was like oh my gosh if he sells all these um you know, it's like three hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars or something. It was like yeah. that seemed like the hugest amount of money to me. Yeah. And then uh, I forget, like years later, uh, <laughs> he was talking about like he had sold maybe you know twelve of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's like, like you see things like a like a John Sexton that puts out an edition of three hundred <laughs> photographs. You know, I mean, maybe John sells three hundred, <laughs> but most other guys have you know two hundred ninety nine of them yeah. in their basement afterward. I remember editioning my my first uh, my work was in. 40 or 50, 45, I think I picked, or 50, I don't remember. And the closest I ever got was like th- uh, 33 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It was like my best selling image. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, you know, so yeah, when I see people do a one of a thousand or something, yeah. it's like, you're not selling, you're <laughs> yeah. not selling more than 10 of these. It was you're like I was t- telling people the other night at the thing, it's like, you know, for photographers that are coming up, don't worry about that stuff. There's a lot more to worry about, you know, <laughs> become a good artist, you yeah. know. Worry right. about the other stuff later because, you know, it's not, the effort isn't going to get anything out of it, you know. I mean, it's not yeah. going to, yeah, and it's a strange business, you know. I mean, I hate to say that, and I don't want to discourage anybody from it, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's not what I thought it was when I was growing up. You know, I'm a working class photographer. I didn't yeah. have wealthy parents or anything yeah. like that. And I found out that most of my heroes in photography are living on trust funds, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of art dealers are too. Yeah, yeah. And they have <laughs> they have their own money that's not related to the gallery or art business right. that, that funds their hobby. Right. And it, you know, that's all well and good, yeah. but it's yeah. hard when you think it's like a normal business world, you know. Well, you that's why that, that was one of the things I found out way 
too quickly and way too late in the game with <laughs> with the photographer. I remember taking uh, going. I'm sorry, to, I didn't know all this back but, then. Otherwise, know, I would have steered you. I asked you for all this advice, and then uh, it almost killed me. Well, no, it uh, was at a time when things yeah. were hot, you know. Yeah. And I was with Halstead, and we yeah. were selling, you know, yeah. a couple hundred prints a year. You yeah, know? I mean, it was working. Yeah, yeah. And it went on for a while. Well, though. I remember going to Photo San Francisco uh, alone. You know, I, I bought a booth, or you know, you can. I was I exhibited there. Yeah. all my photographers, and you actually came I out. You flew out with yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, uh, I remember Kim Weston uh, and Arthur Truss across. The- <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. Exactly, these legends. It was great, but at the <laughs> same time, uh, I found out that all these dealers, like they're, you know, just through through conversations or people would talk about another dealer, and I found out most of these people were were independently rich or had family money. Yeah, and I was just bootstrapping this guy from Grand Rapids out there, trying to you know sling some prints yeah, around. Yeah, you were and very was, much like me, and I was trying desperately to get the, my money back and not lose thousands of dollars during right. that show. And I, I did lose money on, yeah. on, on me. Well, I mean, a lot the best of, I ever did was like, whew, I uh, broke even on that. Yeah. You know? Well, in like, defense of it, I mean, you know, like the Halsteads who were always great with me, they would do well, but they had a lot of dead people too. You know I mean? Yeah. There was a lot of vintage photography that was sure. very famous. And, and very expensive. And very expensive. And that would carry the load. I mean, it was worth it to them for the booth. But you didn't have that at that time. And so... No, I only had, you know, contemporary schmucks like us. Yeah, but sell. you had yeah. some good people. I remember yeah, yeah. we had Ken Rosenthal. We yeah. had... Uh, Hiroshi Watanabe. Hiroshi. Um, there was a woman from the Midwest. Uh, uh, she's still... Uh, Matthew... Not Matthew. Um, I can't remember her name. You had Holly, Holly Roberts. Roberts, and yeah, I mean, it was you yeah. had a good you had a good stable. No, we people. had a good stable. I mean, uh, on paper, it should have worked for sure, but I just couldn't get people in Grand Rapids to yeah. Um, yeah. to collect. And you know, I mean, you didn't have the thing like with um, you know, uh, like with private dealers that are like other people that I deal with that you know they're not necessarily they don't have a brick and mortar gallery, but they have clients built up around the country, oh, yeah. and they go and visit and they bring what they yeah. you know it's like you know. There's Glorified some, Tupperware salesman some, in a way, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an encyclopedia model. You yeah, know, but swing it's, over and I'll show you what I have. Yeah, and it works. I mean, because yeah. there are a lot of people that do collect, but well, not my point about Grand Rapids, my, it's not even a slam on Grand Rapids. It was just no. that the um, they really liked the images of the city. They liked to see the city. Yeah, but, you were very successful with that. Yeah, and I had a good run of just selling those and. Um, LaFonsi Galleries now actually um, holds my uh, archive. They've got an archive there now. And got so it's all not digital. just gone. It's yeah. not gone, no. And I've digitized <laughs> all those negs, and so they can do print-on-demand there. Oh, good. So I don't even really have to deal with it. But the um, So it still pulls in a little revenue here and there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, a few times a year. It bought your uh, Lamborghini <laughs> sitting over there, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which one are you referring to? <laughs> the, the blue one. <laughs> the blue one, yeah. Uh but the so I just but they weren't uh, knowledgeable just as a wide stroke they weren't very knowledgeable about photography they right. maybe heard of Ansel Adams and that was it but yeah. then to actually possess one and hang it on the wall and maybe start collecting from a particular era or genre or a subject matter where you're like okay I'm collecting now I'm, I I want right. I'm looking for particular types of work or a photographer's work just couldn't they that was a switch that and I couldn't flip fast enough that it just it wasn't there wasn't there it yeah. might be there now but uh, there's nobody selling photography like I was back then or at least to having a well and gallery. you say that too and that was one of the things you know getting back to what you're saying about my different business model with it um you know, I started these monthly print things and that yeah, kind of thing. that's what I wanted to talk about, which was like you innovated through that process and you did a release. You'd say this is the print of the month. Right. 
it's a you typically it was like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, but that's a it's a the, you know, for most print, people 100 bucks, it's hundred bucks signed. It yeah. was a it was a um you know I didn't audition them because they were well some of them I did uh, uh some I had different schemes but yeah. um but it worked and what it did is it started to educate collectors. I mean people that weren't going to go out and spend four thousand dollars on a Harry Callahan yeah you know could buy a Bill Schwab for hundred bucks and have that appreciation and frame yeah. it and put it on their wall and like it and then. You know, and it gives you an appetite for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like me, me and record, record albums, you know, I had yeah. to buy five, ten of them a week, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and there are collectors out there that are like that with photographs. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a bug. It's definitely something it, that if, if you right. get it, then and the more you know and learn just about your vocabulary it's, it's, grows yeah, and you and know different people. And it's and you, infinitely yeah. interesting. There's always another layer to discover. And the thing is about being a photography collector these days, too, is that you're becoming part of the whole. You know, becoming part of the provenance of the whole work itself. Like, you're part of making it what it is, you know. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, there's a um, burden a bit. I don't, I don't mean to say it that way. My terminology is not there right now. But, but it's, it's like a, uh, you know, you're part of the process by collecting that work and making that work something. You're preserving it and the other person that preserves it. And that's how things happen, like, in you know, 50 years when the MoMA goes to buy a new group of work of some photographer that's been discovered, it's those people that right. that, that, that love that photographer's work that kept it and kept it in good shape. Those are the people that were part of the process of making, yeah. you know, bringing that, you know, bringing that out there. So but being able to innovate, sell directly to your client base, you do an edition that was low. I mean, you would low, sell 30, great. 40, 50 of these. And, you know, if you do that math, okay, that'll cover a mortgage. It'll cover some, you know. And it worked. It, it and, worked. And, and it, it worked for and a that while. that was just and one. Yeah, it was great. Right. And, in, in, you know, in a relationship where you've got a couple of people who are gainfully employed and bringing in money, it was fine. And, yeah. and it, you know, to this day it still is, but it's a bit of a bit more of a struggle now. Yeah. You know, and I have to innovate and do other things a little differently too. It's not all about the work; it's about tours and it's about books that I publish, yeah. that kind of thing. But, you know, in the earlier days when, like you were saying last night, you didn't have a child, didn't have all these other expenses. Yeah, it was doable, you know. But it's not doable now, and I hate to say that, yeah. you know, because here I'm about to embark on a trip to France and show my work to some galleries. Yeah. And, but I have no preconceived notions of anything happening from that. <laughs> the thick, the the skin is thick. The thin is real. Th <laughs> yeah, the skin is real thick, and my expectations. You know, I mean, I really, it's not something I need, but right. it would be nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just like doing what I do, and that's what's happening with photography now. Is that although it's not terribly lucrative for a lot of people, it still is an outlet for yeah. your your. Well, even the commercial uh, world rates. There's a lot of downward pressure on rates. Uh, delivering more assets for less money, yeah. uh, video, it's motion, it's all, yeah. you know, it's, and there's enough people out there that will do it for scraps that uh, puts a lot of pressure and on And that's the problem is that, you know, in the Instagram age, although I love Instagram, in the Instagram age, you know, there's no surprise why when the market crashed in 2008, whatever, and, and art became, you know, went downhill and photography at the same time, there's no surprise that art you know, the, the, the more fine arts that you would think of, not photography, came back. But photography's still been languishing so much because, yeah. somewhat because in that same period of time is when iPhones and Instagram and all these things well, came the world's about. the flooded. We, you know, we and talk we're flooded about, with imagery. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Marshall McLuhan never would have imagined this. You know yeah. what I mean? We're, yeah. we're not all TV. We're not only TV babies. We're just constantly bombarded with imagery. Yeah. And so why pick one image over another to put up on your wall? You know, yeah. I mean, that takes a little bit of education in schools. You know, yeah. we're dropping education in schools. They're pulling art out of schools. They're pulling yeah. music out of schools. 
It's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's they're really turning bad. us into robots, basically. And then the thing is, they're making robots that are going to make us obsolete anyway. So, I don't know. More people need to be educated about art, and they're going to be better, well-rounded human and, beings. And doing and, things, you know, by hand is always a good platform, you know, when you can understand a process enough. It is good. And, and then digital's good, but, but uh, the old well, processes have their own beauty that you can't... Uh, yeah. And here it is funny that I'm this old process guy, but yet the last project I did was all digital and yeah. I'm correcting perspectives. But that's you, though. Stuff. You're always uh, there, you know. I think you have to have a lot of oars in the water. You do. You know? Well, just to keep it interesting to me. And yeah. I don't say that you did that as a way. I mean, but you're interested. You've always been tinkering with ideas around always. photography and even how to market yourself and how to, always. you know, project your your image or brand, so to speak, out into the world. And what, right. it, what does it mean, you know, the quality of the work and the prints and just your right. commitment to the beauty of the work that you've done all these years in the darkroom? I mean, it's translating to digital as well and all that experience. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about Iceland because you've, you, there's another thing that happened <laughs> was... Um, in 2001, I think, you know, we were just talking about something. You're like, uh, I think I want to go to Iceland. Yeah. To uh, I really photo. wanted to go to Iceland. I'd yeah. been studying it, and I was afraid to go because, I, you know, the Internet was, was, was good at that time. But there was, you know, I did a lot of research. I found out that people were mostly English-speaking. But I was just, like, yeah. not wanting to head off into the Arctic Circle by myself. And, sure, sure. You know, so well, you were, you were kind like, enough to say, hey, I'd like to do that, too. Yeah, I said, I'll <laughs> go. Yeah. And so we went in 2001, and then... Um, you know, since then, again, through innovation and just being a hustler, you know, I think of the Detroit yeah. hustle, you know, that's a that's a thing is, you know, you started doing tours there and taking yeah. people over and taking photographers. It about sh four years after that. But, I, you know, the thing about that was, as you and I went, a couple months later, I went back on my own. And then, you know, I realized that you know, I didn't want to be this photographer that, you know, and forgive me for those that you do that, but that drop into a place for a vacation and come home and make a book. You right, know? right. I mean, yeah. there's no way you've had a relationship with that place. There's no way you could really <laughs> tell us anything about that place other yeah. than you're sending us a postcard you drove that cost the ring you a lot road of money. And pulled off at the same stop yeah, everybody exactly. else does. So I just felt like I really needed to keep working yeah. it. And uh, being the uh, photographer of not many means like I am, I just decided I said to start taking people on these trips to be able to go yeah. myself. And so I did. Well, I started you know, yeah, you And I like social there, photography. I like. Probably been there half. Half dozen times before you took a tour. Before I over. took a tour. Oh yeah. yeah, I was I was pretty well versed in the place before yeah. I took anybody. And you know, and then people are, uh, you know, you're guiding them. You're able yeah. to shoot a little bit. Although now I think you were saying it's it's just a lot of fun to shoot. It's just them fun to shooting, hang. Just hang out. And I really enjoy what I really enjoy about these trips is you know. Very often, this is a trip of a lifetime for people. Yeah. And I get to go on a couple of them a year. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and, you know, I, so there's the value, right? But, yeah, I love seeing how they respond to it. It's really fun to see somebody wake up and come alive. And why Iceland? I mean, I suppose I... I well, Iceland That's more of a rhetorical question because I, I, once yeah. you've been there, it's intoxicating. But, like, the... I think it was the, uh, the idea of it being so fresh and, and, you know, or this is my imagination, is that it was wilderness. I mean, not wilderness, but it was... Solitude, it was fresh. Not a lot of people had looked at it. I mean, people had been, you know, Fred Picker, um, Stuart Clipper, a lot of people had been up to Iceland. Yeah. Uh, Linda Pond, God, tons of them had been up there photographing, but it wasn't really in our vernacular yet. You know, people weren't looking yeah. at those images and thinking that's Iceland. And uh, so I saw it as a fresh place to, you know, piss on a tree. You know what I mean? It's like a place to go and work. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's kind of what I did. And, you know, and it wasn't obviously because of me, but it really way, did there's grow. No, there's no trees in Iceland. There's no trees in Iceland. <laughs> so you peed on a rock. There's a few, yeah, I peed <laughs> on a rock. 
Yeah, there's a few, there's a few, yeah. but but anyway, and that was the thing is that it it wasn't what it is now, you yeah. know, and and I fell in love with it. Yeah. You know, and couldn't stop going back. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how many trips I've done now. I, uh, I hesitate to count. Yeah. It's got to be in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. yeah. But it's so cool. And then that's, uh, you know, those workshops that you do in Iceland, they're travel tours slash, uh, they're maybe not a workshop workshop. It's more of a travel. Travel tour. What travel it is, tour. what I kind of build them at first. But you're helping a, people with their photography Yeah. It was well. a collective trip. Yeah. Uh, a cooperative trip. But yeah. Um, I would help anybody, you know, and that, and they learned a lot. But then the thing is I learned a lot as well because yeah. a lot of the people that came were pretty good. You know I yeah. mean? Like I've had Tim Rudman, I've had Jesse Alexander. I've had some big name people yeah, with me. You know? Yeah. You know, they were really Did good. Did you let guys. him drive the car really fast? Yeah. He drove us really fast. <laughs> he did the cornering. Yeah. No, Jesse was great. He's a really good guy and he's been, you know, he's Jesse's a legendary, his, he is. Jesse's a legendary like uh, motorsports photographer. Yeah. And, and he's, he's in his nineties now and he came with me. The first time we went on a trip with together, Jesse, I think it was 86, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he was great. You know, you had to go drag Jesse in the van at the end of the day and yeah. stuff. And, oh, that's awesome. But it was fun seeing people come alive. And that was Tim Rudman was one of those. You know, he did his book now in Iceland. And, it, you know, he went ended up going back many, many times as yeah. well. But the first time he went, he was not enamored with it. It was really funny. And here well, I, I struggled this. in Iceland. I, I yeah. didn't, you know, I don't really, I didn't ever really get into shooting landscapes for, for you know, right. uh, part of my arts. It was usually night photography, and I needed buildings and some some collision of humanity. Whether right. there wasn't people in the photos generally, but the point was. Uh, and then Iceland, you know, intoxicatingly beautiful rivers and mountains and waterfalls. But uh, and I made some very memorable photographs for myself. And yeah. we showed. Oh, I remember some one of the in Skogafoss that was really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I shot four by five and lugged that thing all over yeah. the place. Oh God! I remember <laughs> when it blew over, it blew over, yeah. smashed oh, my, smashed my. Uh, actually, fortunately, it was the just lens. the filter. It was just the filter. Yeah, saved its, saved yes. its ass. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, that. Uh, but it fit perfectly your work, how you tone, how everything that you do in the darkroom. Right. It, it just was. really was the, um, the perfect. Uh, Canvas, sorry for that yeah. metaphor for you. And that the became camera. the second, you know, big, other than Detroit, that became the second big love of mine. And, you know, I, I kind of originally started off as a photographer, you know, with the Ansel Adams, Edward Weston kind of thing in mind. But those, you know, I love those photographs to this day, but they quickly kind of became boring to me because they didn't see like I see, you know. I mean, I see in selective focus and I see yeah. other ways. And so, I don't know, it... I gotten away from the landscape, and so that got me back into pure landscape shooting again. Yeah. Now, which has changed because now I'm doing the same thing. I'm looking in Iceland for the collision of humans because yeah. Iceland, boy, climate change. You know. Yeah. Anybody out there has got to go to the extremes of the planet to find out what's really happening in Iceland. It's scary because Greenland, Greenland you know, too. His yeah. neighbor is just like oh. billions of tons of ice you know, dropping every day. What have I been going there now? So it's like 15, 16 years I've been going there, and it's major changes in the glaciers. I mean, miles of retreating, re yeah. retreating, and. Um, and not only that, but the plastics on the beaches. You know, there's nowhere you can yeah. go now without seeing that. And so that's kind of becoming what I'm interested in because, you know, we are damaging this place so yeah. horribly, you know. Yeah. Uh, and even no Iceland. About it. You know, in Iceland, too, that was the explosion. When we were going there at the beginning, there was 200,000 people a year visiting. Now there's 3 million people a year visiting. Yeah. And they really I haven't done anything to the infrastructure to support that, mm -hmm. you know. So they're down. It's... We're damaging the place, and it's kind of sad to see. Yeah, well, that's that's the rub, right? We make yeah. 
portray something so beautifully and people want to visit it. Yeah, and, and then Instagram, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I see all kinds of photographers going to Iceland now, like uh, on their, you know, they're not even landscape photographers, but they'll do. Yeah. They'll, oh, I knew the end was coming. I was yeah. at Gullfoss one time, you know, and there's yeah. bus empties out. These people get off. There's this young couple and they're struggling to take a selfie of themselves, which we now know is a selfie. Right. And I walked to him and I said, don't you want me to shoot that? And he looked offended. He goes, no, I want to do it myself. And uh, yeah. that was that. And I thought, oh, things are changing. You know, and then you, you realize there's like busloads of, you know, Chinese, German people, whoever comes along and they're, they get off the bus at some beautiful place and they get out and they're all dressed up and they do pictures for their husbands or their yeah. wives and they dance and they never once look at what they've seen. Right, exactly. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, I had similar experiences were in Paris and Madrid this summer. Like you'd see people at, um, you know, at the Louvre. Yeah. And, you know, they're all cheesing and macking for the, for the, for the selfie sticks and all yeah. that stuff. And it's like, just breathe this place in yeah. for five Smell minutes. Yeah, for a minute. Just, yeah. yeah. Put that thing and, down. And then we did our share of fun photos. And it's, you know, you could have taken well, a slice of me and my to. daughter Hannah. And it's like, oh, they're they're not appreciating Well, we're it, all humans like, and we're yeah. part of the, what's going yeah. on now. And that's what's going on now. But I don't know. It it's, is a strange thing. And, and that's one of the articles I read about Iceland is that now Iceland, the tourism is starting to fall off a bit. And uh, they, the article quite plainly said that people are off in search of new Instagrammable places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just put a, <laughs> just end it now, man. Yeah, I know. Just bury me in this forest yeah. that we're in right now. Yeah, that's but, why I like being out here. You know, you yeah. kind of forget about that shit for a while. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, and now you're doing workshops. So you've, you you do workshops here at your yeah at the uh, property. Yeah, and that was another thing that you did that was really cool. Was a Kickstarter. Two, two Kickstarters. Two Kickstarters <laughs> to build an amazing uh, dark it's room. really a, cool. A whole. And so how many acres do you have here now? I right? have 11 acres. Yeah. And uh, next to me, the way that you're facing is another 40 acres that's, um, it's been donated to the Conservancy. Yeah. And I've become the steward for it, so it's kind of like. It's you your know, backyard. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not supposed to develop or do anything on right. it, but it's there. And I yeah. know, you know, if somebody's in there doing something they're not supposed to but nobody even knows it's there. Right, right. So, yeah. A lot of well, property. There's a lot around me. I. Um, but you were able to build through Kickstarter and your supporters yeah. uh, a really state-of-the-art uh, workshop space it's with nice. dark room and all these different, for yeah. alternative processes or old well, processes. Well, all say. processes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hate to, you know, I mean, I'm known for that because of Photostock and because of, you know, my beginnings on the uh, analog photography user groups and things like that. But... You know, it's not just for that, but the thing is, is that, that that is still a major part of it because one of the things that I'm trying to keep alive, as a lot of others are, is the actual print, you know, I mean, the actual artwork. Yeah. We all look through radiative light. We all look at things on our phone. And, you know, a lot of these arts are being lost. And so a lot of us, because of that, have started to, to read, you know, have gone back. So we're doing wet play collodion. You know, we're doing processes from the beginning of photography. One of the workshops I had there this week was Mike Robinson from Toronto who taught daguerreotypes. And daguerreotypes for any of you that know, we're pretty much the first commercial photo photograph yeah. done on, on polished silver, and they were quite beautiful. So we did that, and, you know, we do gum printing, we do platinum printing, but I also, you know, I have a full digital layout in there, and I have yeah. a big 9800 printer, so I, we print a lot. And a lot of what we've done now is it's more hybrid processes, so we take 19th century processes, but we use 21st century technology to be able to create our negatives and things. Yeah. So I'm able to take a... I can take a shot out of your iPhone and I can make a beautiful digital negative of that and coat a piece of paper with platinum 
mm -hmm. and I can make a gorgeous print that's going to last forever out of what you just shot with your iPhone. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. And those are um, and people know, are coming from all over the country to do. They come over all the world. Yeah, it's cool. That's I've had amazing. People come from everywhere. Yeah, it's you know, build it, they'll come. It's yeah. really well. Um, it truly is. It's such an idyllic place, and uh, I. I have the honor of this being the first on-location podcast we've ever done. Which is so cool. Yeah. So part of my dream is to take this out to other... Like, I would like to just go and talk to people in places uh, that are important to them. Yeah. And to be here in this legendary property that I've heard about since the <laughs> mid-90s. And yeah. uh, we're sitting... Uh, I did some photographs at your original little cabin. The little, the little cabin, A-frame yeah. yeah, that's where it all cabin. started. Yeah, and uh, and now you have a beautiful home on here, plus the the outbuilding with the with yeah, the, with the workshop, workshop yeah. and it's to see it grow, and it's in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah, it is. I Don't mean, tell anybody though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the more people are getting to know about it, I'm afraid it's not that. Instagrammable. It's there's a yeah, there's it's a ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Don't yeah. come up. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's but, there's not miles of beaches and fresh water with no sharks. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but. Um, yeah, to just see this over the years. I just need to tell you to, for the public too is that I you gave me so much encouragement in the mid early nineties, uh, the beginning of my you, career. I really appreciate you saying answering that. emails like it, it just and I was so young and naive yeah. and a naivete well, that like were. launched <laughs> me launched me into all kinds of uh, mischief. Well, but I'm glad it ended up this way. It ended up Otherwise, <laughs> it might have been a little scary. You know? You'd come back here with the year. But I don't think I said it during the, the talk I gave last night was, you know, I don't really think I would have, uh, if you hadn't been so uh, willing to give of your time and just conversations over the years, I don't think I would have um, taken quite the same path I have. So uh, I owe you a lot. Uh, There's somebody I've always respected so much uh, because, for one, you were, you'd always tell the truth. Yeah, and oh, that's always to my detriment. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you would tell the truth, and you would also, yeah, you would never, you just not anyone who would blow smoke just to blow smoke. Yeah. And I, uh, what's the point of that? Yeah, you got to have the real experiences, you know. <laughs> you know. Well, I'd love to uh, talk more next down the road, but um, you have to come see my studio. Too. I want, I want to come down. If you're yeah. ever downstate, yeah, which, you know, I'd love to, and I'll, you know. I'll come out of the woods sooner or later. You know, I'm I'm starting to heal now, and I'm getting yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, you're lit, pretty laid up. Yeah, leg. busted leg and stuff. Yeah. And you should tell people about. I mean, the reason Brian here was photographing is because of PhotoSack. I have this yeah. yearly event up here for photo. Well, exactly. So yeah, you're on the doing, solstice. Yeah, so it's around solstice. Yep. It, it's uh, centered around that. Yeah. And people come from all over the world. Yep. You put on. Different instructors come and teach different processes. Right. People can learn. Right. And I bring uh, in different photographers to present their work. Yep. And I try to bring a lot of different influences so that people can see that. Yeah, and know. people can stay in this beautiful Harbor Springs greater area yeah. and uh, wander, photograph, learn some processes. It's really a cool thing. I don't know how many people were in the room last night. It must have been 60 or so. Yeah, you had probably 60 or 70 last yeah. night. Yeah. And, um, and it's just really cool. And it's just to see that, you know, again... Here you are in the middle of the woods yeah. and a magnet for photographers to come all over the world. It's fun to have them do it. I'm glad that they do. Yeah. I mean, I'm ever grateful. And, you know, I just, I'm just happy to be part of it all. You know, I'm, I'm just glad they still come. You know, it'd be, be crazy <laughs> if you put, up, put on a party and nobody showed up. But You play checkers in your, in your, um, yeah, in yeah. your big workshop. But, building. you know, I can't thank you enough for coming. I mean, I know I've tried for years to get you coming. Well, because yeah, it's I have tried. You're I such mean, a great dad. You've invited you, me yeah. uh, many, many times to come up, and I could never do it because it's around my birthday and Father's Day and my Maddie's birthday, my yep, middle daughter. Yep, yep. And it was just tough to get away and... Uh, 
No, it was very sweet of you right. to come, and uh, I got to say, I'm, if it's weird to say or not, but I'm very proud of you. You know, you've done. You, it's really cool to watch. <laughs> You're my you know, photo dad. Yeah, it's really no. cool to watch you. You know how far you've gone with this. You well, know, it's thanks. amazing. It's been, but I learned a lot uh, from you and other people though about just hustle, grind. Yeah, you. It's a job. When you. Uh, when something's not working out, you try something else, and you just keep going. Yeah. And if you keep falling forward, you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, even if you fall backward, you know, you learn yeah. a lot. Well, for sure. And uh, But, man, I, I, it's really cool to be here, and I, I really am uh, Thanks, appreciative you do the podcast with Thanks me. Thanks so much. It's right. really been fun. Oh, will you say one thing for me? This is brand new, too. You'll be the first guest to see this. And uh, you can look look at this, this camera. Yeah, that camera. I'm you looking. You can say, uh, my name is Bill Schwab. And I've been fully exposed. Oh, cool. <laughs> My name is Bill Schwab, and I've been fully exposed. Good. Well, that was a fun conversation. I know you can tell that Bill's just a great guy. Uh, you'll have to go to his episode page at fullexposurepodcast.com. Uh, you'll see video clips of that conversation, see more of Bill. And... Um, and uh, maybe I also put uh, a couple links. Uh, one is to his beautiful website, BillSchwab.com. The other thing is you might want to go to Iceland with Bill. He's uh, filling a workshop in October of 2019. He puts together an amazing tour. Uh, it isn't really for um, amateur or, like, really inexperienced. You can be an amateur photographer for sure. I'm not saying amateurs aren't welcome. What I mean is... If you don't know too much about photography and you're just thinking you're going to go around and look at waterfalls in a van, and uh, yeah, it's not Bill's workshop. It is uh, filled with people from all over the world come and meet with Bill, let him take him around Iceland. Uh, he uh, knows the island land now like the back of his hand. And uh, I just promise you, if you book a trip with Bill Schwab to Iceland, it will be a trip of a lifetime. So I put up a link there. So that does it for this week. Uh, again, my thanks to Bill Schwab. Thanks for hosting me up in beautiful Harbor Springs. And um, you know what? Just go out there and get it. You know, Bill Schwab's a guy you can take some inspiration from. He's uh, pursued his dreams as a photographer since uh, way back when. And uh, he's still at it. And he's still successful. He's still having fun. He's still grinding it out. And um, for that, you know, we can all get through the week. Share this podcast, subscribe on iTunes or whatever iTunes uh, or what other podcasting app. Uh, uh, can't even talk anymore, so I'm going to get out. All right? Have a great week, everybody. See you.